Well, hi, everybody. Welcome back to another time to be together. If this is your very first time here, then welcome, especially to you. Uh, please, everybody, head over to illuminate.church connect. Awesome opportunities to engage so that we're not just listening to a message or a service. We're participating in the life of the church. That's illuminate.church connect. And don't forget, just a few short weeks, it's Easter Sunday, and we absolutely have a great online service for all of you that participate online. We've already done some incredible recording with our worship team out at our brand new property, and uh, it, it's just going to be an incredible time. I invite you to invite others to come and hang out with you that morning at your house for Easter Sunday, and uh, we're going to have three services in person at 9, 1030, and noon, and if you want to come to any of those, the nine o'clock one will be the completely masked service if that's your jam. And then we have kids ministry at both the 10:30 and the noon. Massive Easter egg hunt going on during those times. So come and join us, or join us here online. Either way, you're going to have a great experience. I hope you're doing well. Let me know how you're doing. Just put something in the comments like, hey, we're, our family's great. We're here watching in New Jersey or here in Iowa or Minnesota or here in Central Florida. Just would love to interact with you. And finally, also, don't forget to hit the share button. Get the word out. We're getting spreading the good news of Jesus when you hit the word share. So hit it now, get that done, and then let's jump into what the Lord has today. We're in the second week of the main attraction and really, this was birthed out of the sense that the Lord was teaching us, bringing us over the last couple of years to the place where we realize that the church and the activities of the church are not the most effective plan for helping people find life in Jesus. They're good. They're good things. Uh, but you can very easily get people addicted to church and programming without Jesus even being involved. It's kind of like sports, Right? There's lots of worshiping going on at a sporting event. There's lots of faithfulness, loyalty, and a lot of money given over, but there's no Jesus, but there's still like this religion of sports. Well, the church should not be the same, not even close. So we have turned from being a program-driven church to a disciple-making-driven church. And as I taught last week, you are the main attraction. You are the one who is going to draw people to Jesus Christ. And if the word attraction doesn't suit you, then how about just thinking of yourself as the main attractor to Jesus, to his mighty love, right? Today's message is entitled, Covered in the Dust. There's an incredible story in scripture of a man named Peter. And uh, it's this story where a human not named Jesus actually physically walks on top of water. I don't know if you've ever tried this. You need to go and try this at your local swimming pool. Just go ahead and do it. No one will know that you're trying. It'll just look like if you don't succeed, you're going down in the water. But if you actually do succeed, <laughs> you're going to be a YouTube star. I'm just saying. Anyway, like what kind of faith did it take for Peter to walk on water? And the question I'm asking is how can I live like that in such a way where my faith causes the supernatural to occur. And it's not just for the sake of the, like the supernatural, wow, wow, look, you walked on water. But really it's so that others will see the supernatural going on in my life and know this God is alive. And this God is pursuing me for a relationship. I mean, that's the whole point of living my life out loud as an attractor, the main attraction 
to Jesus. Here's the key scripture for this entire series. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, the fourth chapter. It's when Jesus is calling his first disciples. We, the Bible says, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and his brother, Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake for, it notes, they were fishermen. And then Jesus says this famous line, and he's speaking it even today. He says, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of people. And verse 20 notes what happens. At once, they left their nets and followed him. Last week in week one of the main attraction, we talked about Jesus's invitation. He says, come, right here in this verse, come. And the invitation is to more than just new life in Jesus. I mean, that's an incredible thing to have new life, a do-over in Jesus. But it's an invitation to more than that. It's an invitation to be a part of the heavenly kingdom that's breaking forth on the earth. You are chosen to be God's vessel of glorious life forevermore. He, he's counting on you to be the main attraction for people to know of his goodness to know of his salvation through the way that you live, through the way that you serve, and the way that you love. I mean, that's a high privilege. That's a high calling and certainly a high responsibility. But how? How do we become the main attraction? How do we become a people drawing others to the transformational power of God? Well, Jesus told us. He says it right here in the scripture. The very next thing he said after come was follow me. And just skipping ahead, just a few little notes further, it says in verse 20 that they actually did. They followed him right then and there. They left their nets and they followed Jesus. It's like Jesus is saying, hey, do you guys want to come? And they're like, yes, we're in. We're going to leave behind our nets, which happens to be our source of income. And we're going to follow you, Jesus. Well, it happens that the scene is repeated in the very next few verses with two other guys. Let's read again, Matthew chapter 4, verse 21. It says, going on from there, he saw two brothers, James, the son of Zebedee. So Zebedee is the dad. What a cool name, Zebedee. And his brother, John. They were in a boat with their father, Zebedee, <laughs> preparing their nets. And Jesus called them. And immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed him. So here it is. The same deal with Simon and Andrew is happening with James and John. He calls both of them and boom, immediately they're like, we're out. They left their boat, which also happens to be their source of income, and they left their dad. They're like, see ya, pops. You call this James and John, and your name is Zebedee. You got the cool name, and we got James and John. But that's not why they're leaving dad. What's going on here? Why would four young adults, maybe even probably more like teenagers, just up and leave and follow Jesus. To understand this, we got to put ourselves in their shoes, get into their context. And in the end, I think you will see that you are actually in their shoes. The same thing that happened to them is happening to you. I, I want you to understand how children grew up in Jesus' time. That's how we'll understand the context. About the age of six, these kids, girls and boys, would enter into a period of time called Bet. Sephir, which means house of the book. This is about age six, Bet Sephir. And at this period of time, they started going to school and their school was a synagogue. And at the synagogue, there'd be a rabbi there teaching them and they would be learning Torah. Torah is the first five books, the law 
of the Old Testament, right here. Whoop, whoop, whoop. And this period from six usually lasted till about age 10. And during this time, most kids in these four years, remember this is a six-year-old to 10-year-old, they would memorize the Torah, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. We can't even remember each other's names. But by age 10, they have the entire Torah memorized. Like, that's incredible. So because it was difficult, there was a large portion of this group Every kid's going to school and there's a whole bunch of them like, I'm out. I can't do this. It's too difficult. Uh, I'm going to go and learn my family trade. I'm going to go and become an apprentice to the family business. Fishing, agriculture, tapestries, art, whatever the case may be, they're going to go do that. But the best of the best, the elite, <laughs> they would continue on to the next level. And that's called Bet Talmud, which means house of learning. And during this period, from about age 10 to like 14 and 15, these kids would memorize the rest of the Hebrew scriptures. All of this. Let me get to the end of Malachi. What in the world? The Old Testament has 929 chapters. It has 23,214 verses, which make up roughly 622,700 words. And they would memorize it. Unbelievable. They're about 14 or 15 by the time they've done this. And because it's so difficult, by now, most kids have opted out. They're going and apprenticing, learning the family business. However, out of this elite group, even out of them, the best of the best would continue on to the very last phase called Bet Midrash, which means the house of study. And during this period, after they've studied and memorized the whole Old Testament, they finally would go and pick a rabbi and apply to become a disciple of that rabbi. Now, in that time, a disciple doesn't want to just be taught to know what the rabbi knows. Rather, they want to do what the rabbi does so that they could attain their ultimate goal, which isn't to know what they know or to do what they do. Their ultimate goal is to be like the rabbi. I want to be like you. I want to live your life. I want to be just like you, rabbi. Now, every rabbi differed in how they interpreted the Torah. They would read a scripture and they would say, this is what Torah means. And then this is how we live out what we understand in the scripture. And another rabbi would say, no, 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 this is what it means. And this is the way we live it out. And they each had their own interpretation and they each had their own way of living it out. And that interpretation and that living it out, each one was called the rabbi's yoke. They each had their individual yoke. This is the way you interpret it. This is the way you lived the Torah. So when you applied to be a disciple to a rabbi, you wanted to take that rabbi's yoke upon you, to know what he knows, to do what he does, so that you could be like the rabbi in every way. And then came decision time. The rabbi would grill the kid, asking him questions about Torah, asking him questions about the oral tradition and the, the application of the law and, and all these questions, questions, questions. And if the kid was good, but not great, I mean, these are the elites that have made it this far. And so there's some good kids in there. They'd be like, man, you're really good, but you're not great. The rabbi would bless them and say, hey, you're awesome, but you need to go and learn your family business. In other words, you didn't make the cut. You got rejected just at the very end of the process. But if this kid was special, 
And if the rabbi believed, you know, I think this kid, I think this kid got what it takes. I, I think this kid could do what I do. I think this kid could become like me. I really believe in this kid. Then the rabbi would say to this kid, come and follow me. And here's this kid around 14 or 15. They're like, yeah, baby, they've made it. They would leave everything in that moment. And for the rest of their life, they would follow this rabbi to learn his ways, to become like him. And this is what it means to be a disciple. So Jesus, he's a rabbi. And like most rabbis, he starts his ministry at around age 30. And he comes across these guys and you know what they're doing? You, you read in the scripture, they're, they're all fishing. They're preparing their nets. They're on the boat. They're, they're fishing. What does that mean? It means they're not following another rabbi, which means these guys aren't the best of the best. They're not chosen. Somewhere along the way, it was too hard, too difficult. They opted out or were rejected as not being the best of the best. But Jesus comes along and says, follow me. It makes perfect sense now in context why they would leave everything. It'd be like Michael Jordan coming to me, short, white, no athletic ability to play basketball. And he comes to me and says, hey, I'm starting a basketball team and I want you to be on my team. I'd be like, yeah, baby, sign me up. I'm going. What Jesus is saying here is not just, hey, I choose you, but hey, I believe you can do what I do. I believe you can become like me, so follow me. Of course, you drop your nets and follow Jesus. Let, let's go. Now, in those days, there was also a saying that went like this. May you be covered in the dust of your rabbi. Covered in the dust of your rabbi. It meant to follow so close to your rabbi that you would be covered and whatever his sandals flung up behind him as he walked along the dusty roads of Israel. You can imagine, just whoosh, whoosh getting all over the robes of the, of the disciples. And it was actually a compliment. And what it meant is that you are following so closely to your rabbi that you are actually becoming like him. You are like your rabbi. You are covered in his dust. Back to Peter. Peter was becoming like his rabbi Jesus to the extent that if we go back to that scene, this actual true story where there on the waters, the sea is roaring, the rain is coming down, the wind is blowing, and there in the midst of it, Jesus walks out to them in the middle of the storm, on the water. And Peter's like, Lord, if that's you, tell me to walk out on the water. And Jesus says to him the same exact word that he said to him at the very beginning. He says to him, come. And having faith, listen, having faith that he could actually do it, Peter steps out of the boat and literally walks on the top of the waves. It's amazing. It's a stunning. Well, if you know the story, you know the next part. Peter begins to sink and he cries out to Jesus to say, hey, rescue me, which Jesus does because he's awesome and merciful. But as he's rescuing him, Jesus says to Peter, you of little faith, little faith. Like, I've often thought that it meant that Peter had lost his faith in Jesus, but that doesn't seem to make sense because he believed Jesus enough 
to get out of the boat. He's actually walking on the water and Jesus is still there himself, moonwalking on the water. Like it's, Jesus is doing it. What I believe actually happened is that Peter lost faith in himself. He lost faith that he had the ability to be like his rabbi and walk on the water. So he begins to sink. You know, all, of, all my life, I've heard and I've spoke to people about believing in God, placing faith in Jesus. But here's the truth. Isn't it good to know that God believes in us, that Jesus has faith in us to become like him. When Jesus told Peter to come and walk on the waves, Jesus believed Peter could do it. He believed in him. Jesus, from the very first day, he said, come and follow me, believed in Peter to actually become like his rabbi, to become like Jesus. I told you at the beginning that I thought that after I shared the context of this story with you, you might agree that you are indeed in the shoes of the disciples. Are you? Are are you one of those people like myself that not considered the best of the best? Maybe you've been passed over for the promotion. You didn't make the cut, not up to snuff. I don't even know what that means. Or maybe you're working a job that gives you no joy. It's, It's just a paycheck. You're plying the trade. Well, that was Peter's story until a man named Jesus came and said, I believe in you. Follow me. Oh, my friends, Jesus is here at this very moment via his Holy Spirit and his word to speak this to you today. Maybe you've been passed over by others. Maybe you've been rejected and not considered worthy enough. But Jesus says unto you this very moment, I believe in you. Come and follow me. To follow Jesus is to live the way that he interprets Torah, the law. And remember, the way a rabbi interprets and lives Torah is called the rabbi's yoke. Now listen to this somewhat familiar scripture, Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 to 30. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Listen to verse 29. Take my yoke, my interpretation of Torah upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke, Jesus's yoke, is easy, and his burden is light. There's a way we've all been taught to live by the world. In Jesus's day, the rabbis were teaching them religion, religion, law, 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 law. It was a heavy yoke, burdensome, hundreds of laws to obey and get right. And ah! and Jesus says, come and follow me. My yoke is easy. The, the world we live in today causes insecurity in us. It causes shame in us. It causes it to rise as over and over we face failure, defeat, challenges, all sorts of stuff. And Jesus says, come, exchange that way of living, that yoke for mine. It's way lighter and easier than the way that you are living. And so how do you take on the yoke? How do you follow Jesus? Well, it's simple and it's long. Here's what I mean. It's simple in its understanding. Jesus just said, come and follow me. It's what the disciples did. And so they they came, they went under Jesus's yoke. And then the long part is the training. So the simple part is like, yes, I get it. I'm going to exchange the way the world wants me to live and all that burden for the way that Jesus wants me to live. And it's a much lighter and easier way. And now, just like with the disciples, and for them, it was three years 
they're going to go under training to follow Jesus. Now listen, I am dead serious when I say to you that we have become a church that is disciple-driven, not program-driven, but we still will have programs. And the purpose of the programs is to train the disciples, the people, to be the attractors to Jesus, to be the main attraction. When we offer you an opportunity like Life Step One, what we're offering you is an opportunity to follow Jesus, to have this stake in the kingdom where you actually live on the earth, changing lives, a life of purpose and meaning. And you don't have to be a pastor or the Pope or Billy Graham. It's just you living your life for the King. Life Step One is the training ground for that. So are community groups. So are our discipleship groups, C groups and D groups. I'm inviting you to these, not as a program-driven church, but as a training ground to be the main attraction to lead people to a life with Jesus Christ. What I want to do as we close today is just ask you to make an exchange. As I pray, I'm going to ask you to lay down the yoke of the world, the way that the world has interpreted your life and the way that you should live according to the world, and take on the yoke of Jesus and just say, yeah, I'll follow you. And to be sincere about getting into training. Get to life step one. Get to a C group. Get to a D group. That is the whole purpose of what we're doing here is to make disciples who make disciples. So let me pray for you now. Father, in Jesus' holy name, I ask right now that you would begin to untie the burden that's been around our neck for so long so that we, by our own volition, can make an exchange and take all this weight, all this worry, all this trying to achieve and succeed and to be something in the world's eyes and cast it aside. Come to me, all you who are weary laden. Take it off. Lay it at his feet. And Jesus says, I will give you rest. And then he says, take his yoke upon you for it is easy. His burden is light. And in the name of Jesus, just feel yourself now affirming in your spirit, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow his ways. I'm going to be trained up. I'm going to understand his word. I'm going to, have, I'm going to live a life that makes an impact. I'm making this exchange. No more chasing after what the world wants. I'm chasing after what the kingdom has for me and for all those who would follow me as I follow Christ. Lord, seal in our spirits this exchange, not just like an, an affirmation in our mind, but a literal supernatural exchange, laying the junk at your feet, walking away from it, and picking up the yoke of Christ, his good, easy, light burden. We thank you for this new way. We thank you that there is a way, and that way leads to life and truth. In the name of Jesus, amen. Listen, if you are sincere in this prayer and you want to get trained up to be a follower of Jesus so that your life can impact everybody around you, then please head to illuminate.church connect. Those offerings that I share with you, Life Step 1, C groups, D groups, they're all there for you to sign up and say, yeah, I want to be trained up. I want to become a disciple who makes disciples. I hope that you join us there and join us next week for the final week of the main attraction. And don't forget the week after that, it's Easter. It's going to be epic. We'll see you then. Bye-bye.